Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. What can I say? What an evening. Uh, hell is breaking loose tonight. Less than three hours ago, President Trump fired FBI Director James Comey. Trump fired Comey. Now, can he fire Comey? Yes, he can fire Comey. Comey's in there under a 10-year appointment. He can only be removed for cause. They gave the FBI director's job a 10-year time frame because they wanted an FBI director who was going to hang around and not be subjected to political pressures. Uh, any job you get in government, though, you can always be kicked out if you do something wrong. That's called with cause. So the letter Trump had delivered uh, contained wrongdoings with his handling of Hillary's uh, emails. Now, that goes back nine months to last July and last October. Why did he wait so long to do it? I don't believe there's any validity to using those things as the reason to remove Comey. Uh, the real reason I would believe and I would suspect and I think and most of you, if not all of you should think, is that maybe Comey and the FBI were breathing down Trump's neck with regard to this Russian interference thing and Trump's connections with Putin and Russia. Nothing else makes sense to me. You see, I don't believe that Trump understands we are a democracy that we have three branches of government. Uh, I don't think he believes any of these things. He doesn't understand how government should be run. Also, I don't think he's a man of character. Uh, he doesn't have good judgment. He just doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He's a thug. We have a thug at the head of our government. I have said this before. I've said it consistently uh, for the last two years. In many respects, he reminds me of Putin. And Jung, uh, Jung-un over there in North Korea, uh, even the president of China, these guys do what they want when they want because they have dictatorships and things like that in effect. This is a form of fascism, uh, the way Trump's handling this thing with regard to Comey. And the only bottom line I can come to, he was breathing down his neck, and Trump knew it, and he had to take some drastic action. It sucks, my friends. It makes me fear for our government, and we haven't even finished the first year of his term. We've got four years with this guy, three years more. Bad, bad, and I hope. I've got to say this because I've been irritated, and I've said it before. With all due respect, my good friends that voted for Donald Trump, you're getting what you deserve. And I, it, so far, it doesn't seem to be affecting you people, because when I keep talking to you, I hear, well, we got to give the guy time. He's just starting. He's learning. This guy is destroying this country like no other president ever did at the beginning of his term. Nixon was destroying it, but he was into his second term. This guy hasn't even been president six months. I'm fearful. There was a Saturday night massacre. This is the Tuesday night massacre. I am very curious to see who... Trump appoints as the next FBI director. I fear, as a former lawyer who knows records are important, I fear for the records in the FBI department, in the FBI building, concerning this counter-espionage probe of Russia 
Donald Trump and Trump's associates during the campaign and now when he is in the White House. Hopefully those records are under lock and key and they aren't going to disappear. Records have a way of disappearing in major cases. It is amazing how records disappear. And you say, well, this is the FBI. It can't happen. It could happen. We're dealing with a strange leader in our government today. We've never experienced a leader like this. And we don't know what he's capable of. He's probably capable of anything. So even stealing or destroying FBI records is possible. You've got Sessions as Attorney General, who's in charge of the FBI, in effect, uh, who's Trump's appointee. And he's a lackey. He does everything Trump wants. I don't know. I don't know. But I would fear, and we've got to keep our eyes and ears open, this is a very sad day. And don't think it is not. This is not because I dislike Trump. I don't dislike him as a person. Probably a nice guy. I dislike him because I don't think he's competent to be president of the United States. And when he does something like this, he is showing it. Now let me go to Sally Yates, who I was going to open the show with tonight till I saw while I was having dinner down, uh, eating a sandwich in my kitchen that I made tonight. I see on television that Trump fired Comey. Sally Yates, let me tell you, a great American. It's rare that I say this. It's rare that I've seen this. It's rare that you have seen the quality uh, of a person as you did yesterday while she was giving her testimony before the Senate investigating committee in this matter. Uh, I call her a new American hero. Here is Sally Yates. She is in charge of the uh, Attorney General's office. She's acting Attorney General. Uh, she's going to be replaced because she was in a, in a Democratic appointee. I think she goes all the way back to Clinton uh, within justice. Uh, I'm sorry, she was Obama. I apologize. She was Obama's appointee. Uh, but they asked her to stay on uh, until they got things straightened out in justice. And uh, she's acting attorney general at the time. This is before Sessions got the appointment and approval of the Senate committee. Uh, and she was only that she only had that job for ten days. She's a twenty to thirty year career. I think in justice she was in there for nineteen and a half years. She's a bureaucrat. She's a civil servant. She didn't make that kind of money. She was a lawyer who decided to do public service, and that's what she did. And she did it very well. She moved up through the ranks. At one good job after another, got her to the pinnacle of uh, the department she worked for. Now, during the time she's attorney general, two things come up, acting attorney general. First was Trump's immigration executive order. Immigration executive order is being tested in court. As attorney general, it is her responsibility to defend uh, against that suit in the courtroom. She refused to do so. She said, I believe that executive order is unconstitutional. It's un-American. Uh, I'm not going to defend against it. My office is not going to defend against it. Well, they raised hell, uh, but that's the way it goes. Uh, she made a judgment that wasn't normal, uh, but it was a noble thing. You see, everyone has a right, whether they're public official or not, to not do something if they think it's bad, against the law, etc., unconstitutional is against the law. And she said, this thing's so far out, I refuse to defend it. Uh, 
that wasn't liked by, obviously, the Trump camp. Uh, the court subsequently agreed that she was correct that three times the issue went before a court, and it was resolved against uh, Trump's executive order. But it took brass testicles on her part to do what she did. She also became aware of Michael Flynn. This is all within 10 days of becoming acting attorney general. And she went directly to the White House with the news, as she had discovered it, that Flynn was bad news. He was involved with Russia, perhaps Putin. Uh, he had received money from Turkey and from Russian uh, sources. He should not uh, be trusted. He should not be National Security Advisor. Okay? And within, I think, 48 hours, she went back twice. She went that day and she went the next day, talked to White House counsel, and they fired her the evening of the second day or morning of the third day. She got fired. Uh, because she was reporting a Russian spy, in effect, who was a former general in the U.S. military, who was now the United States National Security Advisor, sitting at the right hand of the President of the United States. Wow. All right. This was her first time in a public appearance yesterday before a Senate committee. She did one outstanding, marvelous job. This woman is intelligent. This woman's no one's fool. And you can see she, she just drools of honesty and character, all right? And when the Russia the Russians, the Republicans, that's a good term, the Russians and Republicans, on the Senate committee went after her, especially Senators Conyers and Cruz of Texas, they were going to demean her, et cetera, et cetera, with all kinds of questions, typical political questions to make her look like a criminal, self-serving, incompetent, inept. She put them in their place. It was amazing. Not by forceful. She just said, well, you say this, but you don't know. There was another law decided afterwards that supersedes, in effect, what you're talking about. And, oh, uh, I was there. These are the facts. You, you don't have the facts down correctly. And, of course, she would know the facts. She was a participant in what went on, whereas the senators are reading from their notes someone, uh, someone in their office prepared for them. And she made them both look like asses, all right? Uh, though they didn't acknowledge it, they were just blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to tell you something. This is a woman. This is a person who belongs on the United States Supreme Court. She would make an outstanding justice. You could see, I can see, and if you saw it, you saw from her testimony yesterday, she's not a Democrat, she's not a Republican, she does her job, she knew the law, she knew the facts, and she just addressed every issue. It wasn't that she stood up to these guys. She made them look like asses, that they didn't know what the hell they were talking about because they didn't know what they were talking about. And so we shall see what her future holds. Uh, Comey's too, because Comey now can be called to testify before these investigating committees. I, I don't believe he can testify as to anything classified, but uh, hell can fall upon Trump and his people before this thing is over. I, I've just got a feeling there's going to be what they've been saying on television, perhaps a major blowback. People are going to be upset. Nixon, when he, the Archibald Cox thing, he didn't think the people were going to upset or Congress would get upset because he wanted to fire this one and that one. They did. It was obvious within 24 hours. There was a motion to impeach him on the floor of Congress. And it passed. You don't know what's going to happen here. 
which now brings me uh, to another, what I considered a very good American. He was a hero to American children, to American adults, including Lewis here, this guy. I'm talking about Steven Seagal, the movie star. Remember 10, 20 years ago? He was in so many movies. He played the honest man. He was generally a, a federal police official type or a local police officer. And he fought crime and the bad guys. He was like the Lone Ranger. He fought all the bad people, and he always won. Admirable. Admirable as hell. Well, guess what's happened now? Ukraine. The Ukraine has banned him from entry into their company. The grounds, and I quote, he is a threat to national security. A threat to national security? Ukraine? And this ban of him entering Ukraine is for five years. That sounds sort of like a prison sentence. He is on a blacklist. There's a number of people who are not welcome in Ukraine, and it's because of his Russian affiliation. Jesse's a friend of Putin's. And uh, though they don't give this reason, uh, here's why. Uh, Siegel, Stephen Siegel has become what I think is a nut in recent years. Remember that crazy sheriff, and that's the way the media described him in Arizona, I forget his name, uh, who had different thoughts on how to handle immigrants. He wants to arrest everybody, throw them in jail, bring them back across the border. Uh, guess what he did with Siegel? Siegel and he became friends. He made Siegel an honorary deputy sheriff, and Siegel appeared in news releases with him. This is my man, Siegel said about the, the sheriff. And as a deputy, an honorary deputy sheriff, he rode in police cars, sheriff's deputy in sheriff's cars, while these guys were on duty and participated in the rest and everything. We know Putin and Siegel are personal friends. Pictures of them together in Russia, shaking hands, everything. In fact, Putin made him a Russian citizen last November. On November 3rd, Putin made Steven Siegel, hero movie star, defender of America, lover of the American flag, a Russian citizen. Siegel's parents were from Russia. He also gave Putin several weeks later, personally handed to him, a Russian passport. Uh, that's why the why Ukraine does not like Siegel. They're irritated because Putin went in two years ago and took over Crimea, part of Ukraine. And here is great American hero Steven Siegel, who is now a buddy, asshole buddy, if you'll excuse me, of the Vladimir America changed for women. America changed for women on this date in 1960. Hear me again. On this date in 1960, the world changed for women generally, but especially here in America at the time, because on this date in 1960, the Federal Drug Administration, the FDA, approved approved the first commercially prepared birth control pill. In simple English, the FDA said it's okay now for women to take a particular birth control pill. And the one they approved, the first one out, new ladies who were around in 1960 will remember, was the Enovid, E-N-O-V-I-D-10. Anovid 10. Now, 
this this was dramatic, unusual, stupendous. I don't know. All I know is this. I was there. I was a young lawyer at the time. And this happened through the 60s and the 70s. But on that date, women got control over their sex lives, their reproductive lives. For the first time in American history, they had control over their sex and reproductive lives, okay? It opened a sexual revolution, a sexual revolution. Up to this time, up to this date, women in America had been conservative when it came to sex for two reasons. Religion generally prohibited sex outside marriage, and they all were afraid of getting pregnant. All the women were afraid of getting pregnant. Now they took the pill, <laughs> and they couldn't get pregnant. And they forget the church. The religion went out the window with this with most of them, I'm going to tell you. And women discovered sexual freedom. I mean, they could go out and have sex like men were thought to be having, and they were, without fear of pregnancy. They could enjoy, all right? And they enjoyed their sexual freedom. Uh Many felt as free as a man again to have sex because the fear of pregnancy was gone. And this feeling, this sexual freedom permeated the 1960s and into the early 1970s. I feel it gave impetus also to the woman's movement, to the feminist movement, because man, they, man's the wrong word maybe, they were equal to men now when it came to sex, and that just goosed them into other areas where they said, you know, I, they burned their bras, uh, I want equal pay, I want this kind of a job, and it got the female, the woman's movement going and gave them early successes. I can remember they even smoked in public now, women. It wasn't it wasn't as bad. They some smoked publicly, but most of them didn't. Now they're smoking publicly. We had Virginia Slims, a Syracuse, a uh, cigarette brand come out, long thin cigarettes, and the advertisement, successful advertisement. You've come a long way, baby. You've come a long way. And they did come a long way. And it all started with the birth control pill that was approved by the FDA on this date in 1960. We hear, all of us have heard, of superbugs. People are getting sick now, and there is not an antibiotic or a drug that can combat the germ, the bacteria, the virus, whatever it is that's making the person sick, because it's a superbug. And we have yet to uh, create, make an antibiotic or drug to combat the superbug. The superbug is immune to being hurt by any of the existing medicines, antibiotics, etc. Well, what's causing these superbugs? What's coming to the forefront now, and this is a recent thing, is that Big Pharma, the manufacturing drug plants, the plants that are used to make the pills, okay, owned by the pharmaceutical houses, are creating the, 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 uh, the superbugs. And how are they doing it? It's an environmental issue, my friends. Industrial pollution, industrial pollution. What happens is, Stuff is leaking into the waterways around the plant. And there always is. When you're just working with any kinds of chemicals, it gets into the water around the plants all over, or into the ground and seeps into a water table. And it's getting into the water sources. High levels of antibiotic 
and antifungal drugs have been found. Residue of antibiotic and antifungal drugs residue has been found in these waters. Now, these things, for some reason, develop into bacteria and fungi resistant to, to the very drugs they are, and they are transported via the waterways, the water tables, all over an area or all over a portion of a country. And somehow human beings come in contact with them and they get infected with the superbug. Now, I'm not an expert on this stuff. I can see it right away. Uh, but it's accepted today or beginning to be accepted. Unhealthy microbes live in the natural environment, okay, they build up in the environment, they develop a resistance to ingredients and medicines, thereby creating superbugs. And again, who is responsible? Big Pharma. People die from superbugs because there's nothing to kill it with, to bug with. I'm uh, going to talk now about North Korea and what we've done for them. Uh, they've done it for themselves. And China's done it for them. And we have in the United States, too. China is now, I'm sorry, North Korea is now becoming a major opium producer. Let's go back to Afghanistan for a moment. 9-11 occurs in the United States. At that time, Afghanistan was basically opium-free. The Taliban... The Taliban thought it was un-Islamic, anti-religious, to use, to grow, sell, use opium, heroin, okay? And they got rid of it. The Taliban got rid of it. They, they said, it's wrong. If you, you don't destroy your crops, we're going to take your heads off. Now, we go into Afghanistan in 1991, and, and what do we do? I'm sorry, not 1991. Uh 2001 or two, we defeat the Taliban. <laughs> when we defeated the Taliban, the people that took over said, hey, man, let's bring back the opium. We're going to make a buck here. <coughs> so whatever religious groups followed the Taliban, they went into the opium business. Now, Afghanistan today, and I, I talked about this and written about this many times in the last few years, produces 90% of the world's production of opium. And the biggest, most of that opium ends up on the streets of America. It's the major, the biggest contributor to the heroin epidemic in the history of the United States. The epidemic exists today. It's responsible for 91 deaths a day. Yes, 91 people a day are dying in this country from heroin and the use of opiates, which involve heroin to some degree also. Now, it's said, I'm staying with Afghanistan. You've heard me say, for 15, 16 years, we fought this war in Afghanistan. Hundreds of thousands of people killed. Our people, lots of their people, the enemy, whoever the enemy may be at a particular time. And remember, 90% of the world's heroin comes from Afghanistan today and during those years. 
Not once has a poppy field been destroyed by a bomb, a bullet. Has the farmer been killed? They seem to be protected. These missiles are flying. The planes are bombing. Guns are shooting. People are dying everywhere, but not at the poppy farms, not at the opium fields. Uh, Sounds strange, but it's true. (laughs) And the business has increased. It's booming. Now, some people say, They believe that to some degree our government is involved. We have people, even in the military, that may be on the take because there's tons of money, billions of dollars going in to counter the the narcotics. It isn't working. Uh, Why does this business, heroin business, continue to thrive? Somebody's getting paid to protect these fields. I'm not saying it's our military. It's said by some. Uh, Something's going on. Now we go to North Korea. North Korea. He's nuts. Jim Jong-un is crazy. We all agree. Uh, I'd like to see him and Trump in the same room, two nuts competing. It w- I'm serious. I consider them both crazy. I'm sorry. It would be interesting as they butt heads. Uh, he likes to shoot missiles, Kim Jong-un. Uh, most of them don't make it anywhere. To the, they pop up and blow up in the middle of the sea or something. But he's, he's got nuclear works in the works, nuclear devices, and in due course, and probably in a short time, he's going to have a missile. He can put a nuclear warhead on that will reach Seattle or San Francisco. Okay. Now we're going to have sanctions. China agrees we should sanction North Korea to dissuade them with regard to nuclear development. So what does China do? And they were they're good in this regard. China buys forty percent of North Korea's coal. North Korea has coal mines all over the place, deep deposits, big deposits of coal. And North Korea sells 40% of their coal to China. So China's a big customer. China told North Korea three months ago, four months ago, we're not going to buy any more of your coal till you give up this nuclear stuff you're trying to do. Well, (laughs) they sanction them by refusing to import and pay North Korea for uh, the uh, the coal. Well, he's not stupid, Kim Jong-un. Beware of these guys that look stupid, act stupid. He's a very smart man. He got into the opium business. <laughs> he got into the opium business. He hadn't been into it before. There was very little opium production in North Korea. He increased it greatly, like overnight, Okay. And the money North Korea is losing by China not buying their coal is being replaced and replaced more than is being lost by money from the sale of the opium, the heroin. Isn't that wild? Poppy fields are growing in North Korea. Now, the issue has come up, and it may sound strange, it may sound funny, it may sound stupid, but think about this. If we are protecting the Afghan opium fields, are we going to do this too in North Korea? Don't don't say I'm, I'm crazy. I don't know. But the CIA, and we don't know much about our CIA, and we, sh- we don't have to know. They're doing things that we don't want to know. They have had a history of involving themselves in opium trade and drug running in general because they know the evil it is to this country. And But... Somebody screwed up someplace. I don't know who and where. Uh, But Trump now says, I want to talk with Kim Jong-un. Good man. 
I want to chat with him. I think he said it was an honorable man. And uh, he says everything's on the table. Trump said everything's on the table. What I want to know, does this include the opium? I don't know. I'm just raising the issue and sharing something with you you might not have known about Kim Jong-un and North Korea. Let me talk quickly about robots. I've been talking about them for two years now. Everybody seems to be getting into the show. Good. Robots mean fewer jobs. We know that. I keep telling you this. I keep selling it. Bloomberg, yesterday, in a major article by Mira Rojanasu and Peter Coy, said that industries that use roboting increase their output, so they make more money. Uh, and it seems that whenever robots are in use, jobs and wages fall for humans. Even if an industry does not use robots, they fall behind because they can't produce the product as swiftly and as cheaper as robots, so eventually they're out of business, and the human employees don't have a job anymore, aren't making any money. So it's a no-win situation for those human employees in any instance. They have to be retrained. That's what I've been saying for two years. Our government is not retraining. We've got to get into the fact that they're coming. The robots are already here. They're going to expand. And we've got to train our human force to do other jobs and earn a living. That is my show for this week. I thank you for joining me. Hope you enjoyed. I'm doing a Facebook video every day. Ask to be my friend, Key West Lou, then you can read my see my video where I yell and scream for two minutes and you may enjoy it. I think you will enjoy it. Again, thank you for joining me tonight. I look forward to being with you again next week. <laughs>